Hello there and welcome to another episode of Inside McLaren Applied, a podcast series that takes you behind the scenes of a business that is innovating products and solutions to make a difference to its customers and the world around us. My name is James Baldwin and along with Freya Brolsma, we chat with McLaren Applied's Head of Transport, Pablo Garcia and Rail Partner, Michael Steiger from Huber and Zuna. Let's get into it. Pablo, Michael, so great for you both to join us on this episode of Inside McLaren Applied. Of course, we're talking about transport uh, and what a wonderful way to start as well, talking about collaborations and partnerships and just how important they both are for McLaren Applied. Now, Pablo, many of us take for granted just how easy it can be getting around. We can get on a train, we can get on a tram, get on a bus and think about Really nothing else apart from the fact that we end in the destination that hopefully on time that we want to get to. But how organizations and how OEMs and how the general public actually use that transport for connectivity, being plugged into Wi-Fi, for example, or analyzing data between different stations and all of those really important things that maybe many of us don't think about is really what drives your existence here at McLaren Applied I'd love to know a little bit about your background that led you to this point to be working in the transport sector with McLaren Applied. Absolutely. Um, Great question. So uh, a lot of these things are uh, given for granted by a lot of the public and when they they ride a train or a bus, um, but it's not easy. It's actually quite difficult when you have a vehicle at uh, 200, 300 kilometers per hour, depending on where you are in the world, um, provide a seamless connection and make that vehicle connected. It's not. It's not simple. Um, so we we started doing this uh, decades ago, at least twenty years ago, but probably fifteen years ago, um, in Formula One. So we struggled to get uh, a, a sort of ongoing seamless connectivity for Formula One cars, so we could get the data out of the car in real time. So we had to develop an in-house software that we could use to get real-time telemetry. And we did it pretty well. So we basically um, managed to to get that uh, software used by McLaren, but also by other Formula One teams. Um, So some years passed, and then around five years ago, um, we thought, well, there might be other sectors where we could use the same software because they share the same challenges. And we looked at transport. And we found out that high-speed trains, buses, and trams, and other modes of transport, they struggle with the same thing, which is having that seamless connectivity. So we recycled that product that we have a patent on, and we, we just put, put that at the service of train operators and, and bus operators for, for their use. And so what we do, if you think about connectivity as a, as a pipe, we just provide as much water in that pipe in real time as possible. And we do that by switching super quickly from different links that we get out there. It could be 5G, 4G, 3G, satellite, Wi-Fi, anything. We just put that all together, aggregate that, and guarantee that that train can have that connectivity. But you're absolutely right. So the connectivity is just the enabler 
for a lot of different use cases. So the first one that everyone talks about is passenger Wi-Fi, but there is a lot more. There's, uh, you know, OEMs want to get real-time monitoring data. That cannot happen without a connectivity on the train. Um, also, you have infotainment. So people want to, the passengers want to see things on their screen. But also, what you, you, you go on a train or you want to pay with a credit card for your meal. You cannot do that without a connection. So it's all about having that train or vehicle online all the time. And you've seen these problems in your past because you've worked in transport for quite some time before coming to McLaren Applied with other train organizations and, and trying to figure that out. Is, is transport then a passion of yours and the problems that it throw up also a passion to try and solve? Um, yeah, you could call me a transport geek, I guess. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so I, I worked all, all, all my professional career in transport mobility, uh, in the public sector and in the private in the private sector for HS2 in the past, uh, but also uh, for a mobility startup in Belgium, uh, doing some consulting for the European Commission. We developed apps that were for uh, parking and, and disabled people riding public transport. So yeah, a bunch of stuff uh, mostly related with transport. So I'm, I'm excited about that world. And for those of us who are less about the transport geek for yourself, your self-use phrase. Are people surprised to hear that there's Formula One technology on a train? I think, I think the, uh, you know, it's, it's, not the, it's not easy to make the jump between a train and a Formula One. People would think that, um, you know, why would the tra- train need all that? But, uh, you know, for all the story I explained before, you have more simili- similarities than what you would expect in the, in the, in the first instance, really. Michael, do we get to talk about you as a transport geek as well? <laughs> well, basically, uh, uh, lovely for having me, so thank you very much for that. Uh, first of all, yeah, transport geek. I mean, I worked, uh, yeah, most of my professional life in uh, in rail. So, well, yeah, you can call me a little bit uh, a transport a transport <laughs> geek if you want to put it like that, yeah. But you knew you said before you wanted to make the link between a Formula One car and a, and a train. Well... From a house horsepower point of view, probably they're quite similar, yeah. So a train has the same horsepower as a Formula right. One car. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very happy to hear that. Well, when I get in the train the next time with Formula One technology and I've got the same horsepower as a Formula One driver, I will be calling McLaren and Zach Brown and trying to get myself a job. Um, <laughs> but Michael, your resume is is equally as impressive. You've worked for some really significant international companies like Schindler like Bombardier, who uh, supply, even in Australia, supply transport solutions in trams and trains as well. And you're now working for Huber Suna. So what does your company do and, and how important is your collaboration with McLaren applied? Yeah, well, overall, Huber Zuna as a company, you know, we're, our vision is, you know, to, to connect. Yeah, so uh, our, our vision is really connecting today and beyond. So you see it real all across our, our homepage, and that is basically our, our driving force. Uh, so to connect people, to connect trains, to connect cars. So it's it's all about connectivity. Yeah. And when we look a little bit uh, on the market point of view, uh, Huberzuner, one of the core markets is railway for Huberzuner. Yeah. So it's a strong dominant market in our in our portfolio, and uh, and basically it's all about connecting so it's either connecting uh, components it's connecting people yeah so we're very strong in cables 
but also in in connectors, but we're also strong, for example, and this is where now the, the collaboration comes into uh, into place, is uh, we're very dominant in the market when it comes to antenna technology. So uh, speaking about antennas, you know, it was around three, three years ago, I would say, um, we thought about, okay, uh, an antenna is, or what we currently have in the portfolio is a, is a quite a passive, a passive component, so we call it. So meaning it doesn't have any active electronics into it. So three years ago, you know, basically the idea was born, hey, why don't we put some active electronics into, uh, into an antenna, into a rail rooftop antenna? And, uh, and that is when the whole co- collaboration started to kick in when we got in contact with, uh, with McLaren Applied and we came up with the idea, hey, why don't we co-develop and a so-called active antenna, you know, really bringing a, a, a groundbreaking new product into the market where we actually moved the active electronics into the antenna. And that is, uh, you know, it uh, started of three, three years ago and uh, end of last year, we uh, released and announced this new product to the, to the market and we got quite some, uh, some good feedback so far. So uh, it's going to be a game changer, definitely. Uh, so uh, in Huber Zuner, but I believe on McLaren's side, definitely as well, we're we're quite confident that this will be a, a game changing product in the in the industry. So really interesting to hear about ultimately the problem that you're trying to solve and the product that you've essentially developed um, in order to kind of solve that problem. Pablo, perhaps to hear from you, how did you work together? in order to develop this solution? So we, we normally like to partner with sort of market leaders in, in the respective sectors and, and we recognize Huber and Sonar is, is probably um, that partner in the RF world and the connectivity world. So we are delighted to, to work with them. Uh, so we, we have a very collaborative way, I would say, the, of developing the product. We, we had our own resources working very, very closely with Huber and Sunai resources, um, you know, on a weekly basis, just is working through the, the whole product life cycle from design, testing, and and really based on trust of each other. I mean, we are the, the guys that know more about the electronics and, and the software part. And and uh, as Michael said, Huber and Sunai are very strong on that passive components out of uh, world. So I think we sort of brought the best of both worlds to get to that edge connectivity vision that we both both share. Yeah, and maybe also to add there, Pablo, I think it's fair to say that both of our companies are are very innovative companies, you know, and from a culture point of view and from a mindset point of view, you know, we're we're trying to find the niche. You know, we're we're always out there hunting what niche can we get into, be very innovative, be very creative, and this you know this match is actually quite quite nice. Yeah, so uh, so it fits it fits really really well, and that is also why we were able to uh, you know to get to the stage where we are and have this fantastic product uh, available. Uh, so that's that's really good. One of the things that really interests me is when you bring a product like this, and Michael, your idea of okay, we've got a passive product here, but what we're going to do is turn it into an active product and collaborate with another business, and you take it to industry, and they go. Oh yeah, 
That's great. How has no one ever thought about that before? And you mentioned you had some great feedback. Could you sort of give us an idea of how doing this sort of collaboration with McLaren Applied was able to change the way that industry thinks and then what this can potentially do to open the doors for more innovation in the transport space? Yeah. So so basically what the one of the the you know which uh, which stuck to my head the the, the feedback i got was from uh, from an operator and basically they said wow finally somebody listened to their customers and we actually solved a problem which they actually have in the field yeah so you can imagine that you have in the past you had the antenna and you had the electronics detached from each other and they were connected through uh, through a cable and the cable itself, you know, produces losses. A lot of cables, yeah. not one cable. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. Okay. You can imagine a lot of cables. Thanks, Pablo. <laughs> so basically, and these cables, they produce a lot of losses. Yeah. So, and and the customer, he had to buy two products. He had maybe two different interfaces, you know, to deal with one product on the one side and the other product on the other side. So, uh, so bringing these two products together as one product, you basically don't have any more the losses on the cable because there isn't any cable anymore. So we're actually improving the performance of the product itself. At the same time, when you talk about uh, uh, interfaces towards or the, 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 the operator or the OEM has an interface to its suppliers, meaning us. So we actually made that interface uh, very much easier. So they only have to talk to one. And, and, and just to add, so, you know, everyone talks about 5G and so 5G in trains, it means even more cables, it probably multiplying by four in a lot of, 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 of these antennas. So we're trying to future proof a lot of these vehicles because with, with this sort of edge connectivity concept and, and something like the active antenna, all this disappears. We just get rid of all that. Um, and that has a lot of side benefits as well, which are, um, some of them are environmental. So we reduce the weight of the trains a lot, which uh, in essence what it does is actually saving fuel or electricity. And we want to actually, we're, we're going through a number of, of proof concepts now of measuring that. And so far you have a lot of people coming with just hardware and different boxes. And it's a bit of a mess. If you go to a train, you go to a carriage and you look at where the electronics are, it's thought it is like, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we are trying to just virtualize all that, get rid of all that. You just have to put shoebox product, sort of the size of a shoebox on the roof of the train and we host all that virtually. So you don't need any of that equipment on the train. Maybe, maybe for the for the listeners here, just to give a little bit of a feeling. So in a carriage, when you take one step, so basically you take one meter, a step of a meter, you have one kilometer of cable. That's yeah? So if you have a twenty meter, <laughs> if you have a twenty meter carriage or a thirty meter carriage, you have twenty to thirty kilometers of cable in that carriage. Just to give you a little bit of a feeling how much cable there actually is in a carriage. This is quite an interesting, very interesting thought process, actually, because we, we're so, at the moment, where we are in the world, we're trying to, to push for sustainability, greener technology, of course, the electrification of cars and motorsport and automotive, of course, from McLaren Applied, that, that's a, a massive part of what is going on here. But for trains that are already powered by electricity, 
this weight conversation is incredibly interesting. So effectively, you're pioneering in a sustainable way now solutions to problems that are existing. And again, as as you said, Michael, you've, you've got so many cables, so much weight, but now opportunities to look at what currently exists and how you can do better. How far along or how far away do you think we are to really achieving sustainable practices when it comes to developing things like this for transport? I mean, we're currently we're we're living it. Yeah, I mean, we have uh, uh, within Huber Zuner, we have a whole sustainability program. Yeah, so uh, sustainability is really right out there with one of the key ambitions and targets we have as a as a company. You know, to really, we have that uh, anchored in our purpose within Huber Zuner, you know, to make sure that the products we put on the market are actually helping to, to the world to become a more sustainable place. Uh, and the thing we're now doing here with McLaren is, as uh, Pablo mentioned before, is by reducing the amount of cables needed, you know, we're actually saving weight on a train. Uh, so to basically... It reduces the energy consumption for a train to actually move from from A to B. And that is, you know, we just highlight towards the operator, hey, this is a good product. You know, it actually saves you uh, money at the end of the day and by needing less power, which is, of course, then beneficial for for the planet itself becoming a sustainable Place. Yeah, I think you, we are going to see a lot of changes in the next ten years in terms of you know digitalization of of transport vehicles. Um, so I would say we are probably um, yeah pioneering a new way of of thinking connectivity in in trains, buses, trams. Um, it's uh, I would say we are probably fifteen or twenty years behind Formula One cars. So we are just going through the same journey now. Um, but, but people are starting to get it and to wake up to the fact that they need to provide better technology for for trains because the shift it's is is almost happening. Uh, you know whether you know we like it or not, it's going to happen because it's the most environmentally friendly means of transport. I'm talking about rail, motorized means of transport. Um, and you know there is there is a, a, an urgency called climate change out, out there, and and so we need to improve that to also change the behavior of passengers and passengers will require good wi-fi but also you know all the different applications that they could get with good things like good connectivity so all is linked and we're going to see a lot of progress i think in the next three four years yeah you've mentioned the the benefits to to operators the environment we can we can certainly see the impact there when it comes to consumers this is arguably one of the most widely beneficial projects being worked on can you tell us about the benefits to consumers and how this will translate to the everyday commuter? Um, so, as I said, you know, we are the enabler of, of that connectivity on, in public transport. Now, it's up to the train operators or the bus operators to um, um, provide applications on top of that. So you have the, the classic one, as I said, is passenger Wi-Fi. So we, with the new... The new um, ways of working, you know, hybrid policies and people traveling maybe only two or three days per week. We, we see a need of, of people being connected on the go. You know, they, they don't want to go at 6 a.m. from 6 a.m. to start working in the office, but maybe start working while they are traveling. For that, you need a, a, a sort of, you know, a, a solid connectivity and solid connection. Um, so we, we need to 
to make that happen. Um, but but there are also other things, as I said, you know, that it's the 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 hunger of of consumers for new applications. They want to see Netflix while they're on the on the train, but they also want to see if they are going through a place where there is a imagine that like looking for a house. Imagine you could get some advertisement of houses that are for sale around that that area. We, we could enable all that to happen by just providing enough connectivity, geolocation, so you know where you are, and then you get, you know, you, you get pushed information. All, all that only happens if you have a, 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 a seamless connectivity. So I think, you know, it's first is a benefit for the operator, but then, you know, it ends up on a benefit for the passenger. And at the end of the day, what the operator wants is to focus on the passenger. So we're just trying to let, you know, get take care of a lot of the things that the operator doesn't have to take care so they can focus on what it matters for them, which is each passenger and increase the ridership. Yeah, I mean, I can add to that. I mean, it's basically all about, you know, passenger convenience. You can call it a little bit like that. So uh, making, uh, you know, the passenger comfortable, you know, making him happy when he's riding a train or any kind of uh, uh, public transportation, you know, to really make that journey an experience for him you know in a in a positive way yeah and uh, and you know if you look a little bit also into the the mega trends which are out there you know i mean everything needs to be connected at one point not only the cities are coming closer and closer together but also you know in terms of the need for this digital connectivity what pablo was mentioning uh, you know uh, be able to stream your your favorite movies on uh, uh, on your tablet while you're on the go at the same time be connected to social media etc so all of this relates to passenger uh, convenience you know and at the end of the day, the operator will be responsible to safely and reliably bring that passenger from A to B. So it's all about that. And I think here uh, our contribution, uh, you know, is is tremendous in that respect. It's interesting looking at what the future, well, what is happening right now. We talk about the future often and in a couple, the last couple of episodes, we've really heard that we're on the tipping point. So the future is now, really, <laughs> in terms of what's going on in, in other areas of McLaren Applied. But looking at transport specifically, Pablo, mm-hmm. there seems to be uh, obviously the connectivity element of, of transport and also small-scale transport is really happening. We've got automation coming downrange. We've got the electrification of cars and everything else is going through that sort of process. Do you think that there is a future where everything is connected, both on a small scale level uh, from an automation point of view and this bigger trains, massive, you know, moving across the country element too? Uh, and how does that look like from your point of view? So, so it has to be. It has to be. If I mean, you know, our company, we do um, ECUs for, you know, for Formula One, but, you know, we also uh, make investors. And all that data, if we want to push that data, we need, we need connectivity to push the data somewhere. If, if not, you have to wait until you get somewhere where you can connect to Wi-Fi and then, and then push it out. So you, cannot, you cannot rely on that. You need that continuous flow of data uploads, and that only happens with connectivity. So yeah, to your question, you have to. I mean, there is no other choice. Um, but for us, trains has been almost like the, the, the first the first sort of stage of, of, of the path of the, the journey that we are looking into, into electric buses, but we're looking into electric vans and tracks and EV tolls, all those new, um, 
you know, modes of transport. They, we want to to be that, you know, the software behind it, almost providing the um, um, a swarm intelligence that provide and secure that connectivity for a lot of those vehicles. I think that's the vision. We want to just get rid of, this is sort of a two-stage vision. The first one is getting rid of a lot of equipment that is not needed today in transport vehicles. And as a 2.0, being able to actually um, manage those different vehicles well. So again, the people that are riding those, pa- those passengers can can have the best customer experience. They don't have to think about, oh, this is not working. Hmm. Michael, how do you see it from a Huber and Sooner point of view? And of course, you're pioneering this connectivity line. Obviously, automation is is coming and you're probably heavily involved in trying to see a gap in the market to, to help that along. But what's your personal view of what the future of, and as I said, this tipping point that we're in now, so what does the, now the change in the next maybe 10 years look like from a consumer transport point of view? Well, you know, for me, it's all about, you know, this, this passenger convenience, be it on a rolling stock, but if, uh, as Pablo mentioned, maybe also you go into other, you know, into passenger vehicles, et cetera, into buses or, or, or trucks, et cetera. So it's all about, you know, uh, making the journey as, as convenient as, as possible. And this demand for, uh, for data and this demand for, uh, yeah, being, being connected to the different areas which i mentioned before you know this is this is not going to go away so it will become even even more yeah so i think there is this ongoing trend you know about data throughput which you know is is coming from the the ridership itself and you know for us as a technology company we to, we need to have a solution for it yeah? so so i think here this is this is going to you know, keep on keep on going, and you, we just have to be one one step ahead of the game to uh, kind of anticipate. You know, what what are the future future demands? Yeah, there to come. Yeah, and I think you know, five with five G rollout being now accelerated, not only in the UK but everyone in the world, there are use cases of what we have not even thought about yet, and and we will probably find out that in the next two three years. But you still not need that software that enables all that to happen. So we want to be that enabler, really. Maybe to add here also, and this is where, you know, coming again into the partnership or this symbiosis between uh, Uber Zuner and, and McLaren, this becomes very interesting because what McLaren Pride, they want to go into markets and fields where Uber Zuner is already, is already present with, uh, or has a presence with, uh, with, uh, with our own products. Yeah, so if we talk about, uh, we're also, we have a footprint in automotive, but we go also into aerospace and defense. We also have a footprint in medical. Yeah, so there are used cases, which Pablo is is talking about, which, you know, where we could maybe find some, uh, 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 you know, some similarities or where we can actually, you know, uh, where McLaren brings the technology and we bring our products that we actually then go hand in hand and maybe we can, you know, enter enter other fields as well. Yeah. So for us, this whole journey with McLaren applied in the railway area is uh, is just the beginning, uh, and we're really looking forward to to penetrate further further markets with uh, with the great products we we actually do together. So we've talked a lot about connectivity, automation. Um, it's not just about convenience for the consumer, um, but also about sustainability sustainability too, which we which we've talked about, and that very much brings us to, to shared mobility as a concept, generally speaking. 
How much part of the challenge or how big a part of the challenge um, is introducing new ways of thinking about transportation? So we've talked about the mindset of people who are maybe having to detach themselves from the idea of getting their car every day and, and instead taking advantage of that that shared mobility um, and being a part of the the contribution to, to improved sustainability. How much of that is a challenge? Um, it's a lot, mostly in rail. I think probably Michael will agree with me, rail is a bit of a risk-averse industry where they like to be following other people. They don't like being in a peak of a new technology. So I think that is something we need to just live with. And and as I said, you know, that is when we, we need to go through a lot of, you know, collaborative ways of working with our customers and with our partners and, and make sure they understand the benefit and the value. But it is a challenge. We, we, we see that every day. Um, but it's also an opportunity because it, it's, uh, it's a lot of room for improvement. And I think, uh, you know, once you start changing that way of working, a lot of people, it's an industry, and I, I hope Michael can agree with me, it's an industry where a lot of people follow other people. So if you start changing things, more people will just jump onto that boat. And I think, as Michael said, we are at the beginning of that of that journey now of changing the, the ways of thinking and trying to disrupt a bit the way that we always thought about connectivity. Yeah, I mean, Pablo, I can absolutely confirm, you know, I mean, the rail industry, uh, you know, they are risk averse or maybe sometimes also a little bit uh, slow moving industry. Yeah, So if they put a new technology on a on a train, they want to really have it, you know, uh, tested and has to be foolproof, etc. So it takes a little bit of time until, you know, uh, uh, a technology is put put into a train. But the beauty of it, once it's approved and everybody thinks it's uh, it's a good technology, you know, then you know then the things get rolling, you know, and then you're designed in into different train platforms, and you know when a new train is sold then the products are then automatically being uh, are selected and then you know now we're in the initial stage to get the ball the ball rolling yeah? and for me i always said rail you have to be you have to be a little bit patient you know you have to do these designing activities you have to do them right yeah? uh, get them right the first time and then once you're in you know then then the business starts uh, starts moving and then you have covid as well with with covid transport really took a hit because a lot of people stopped commuting and we are seeing steadily the ridership increasing and I think TFL buses are already on pre-COVID le um, levels. Trains, I mean, my train this morning was already full. So I think, you know, things are changing and, you know, when we get to pre-COVID levels, that's going to go, that's going to keep increasing and you know we'll have the capacity so there will be more investment and there will be more resources in be behind it so as i said you know it will it all goes towards the direction of of um, um better service and and uh and more investment in in transport in the next few years for the transport geeks that are out there <laughs> what does the active antenna look like are you able to easily spot it so if you were to hop onto a train as a passenger, would you have to know, right, well, I'm going to have decent connectivity because I know that there is <laughs> a decent antenna on this carriage? You have to be very tall. <laughs> <laughs> you probably need to just um, look at the roof and I don't think you will see that. I mean, potentially you could see that, not on a double-decker, but yeah, on a, 
on a sort of show, uh, sort of, yeah, uh, yeah, short thing. I think you, you may be able to, to spot that. Uh, it looks, it, I don't know, it's like uh, probably like, uh, I would say 40 centimeter by 4 centimeter square. Uh, um, and then it's 8 centimeter high. And uh, it just looks as, it doesn't look uh, very disruptive, but what it has inside, it is. It has, as, as Michael said, you know, it has all the electronic and all our software. Whereas so far in the last 20 years, they were just having, you know, RF and cables going out, down, down from it. You're right, Pablo. So basically it's the, the antenna, you know, it's basically quite, quite flat. Yeah. So you would need to be a little bit tall to, to, to actually see it. But once, uh, you know, if you look at a train, just... You can see a lot of different antennas on the train, so it's not only the active antenna which is on the on the train. So usually, if you look at a train, you would see these kind of shark fin antennas. So uh, those are, in principle, the Huberzuner the Huberzuner antennas. Uh, and whereas there's the shark fin, in future, you know, not very far, you know, you will have the active antenna right next to it. Well, I'm looking forward to trying to spot that myself. Not that I feel I feel like I'm tall, but maybe not that tall. <laughs> uh, what I'd love to know, Michael, is what's been your favorite moment working with Pablo? Maybe it's slightly embarrassing for you, Pablo, uh, or maybe not, depending on how this answer goes. Uh, what's it been like working with McLaren Applied, your favorite moment in this collaborative piece? All right, my favorite moment. So there are there are many there are many moments. I'm still here, so, Michael. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't forget that. <laughs> there there were many 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 good moments. I will put it put it like that. Of course, uh, for me, one of one of the highlights was when we uh, actually you know signed our 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 partnership agreement where we sealed sealed the deal, if you want to call it like that. So for me, that was a, a highlight as such, because you you must imagine, you know, in, in former times or pre-COVID, you would, you would sit together, negotiate, and then, you know, after a couple of days, you would walk out, shake hands, and, and that was it. Yeah? But due to the fact that we had to negotiate remotely, you know, uh, it, 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 it it was a little bit of a of a challenge, you know. You couldn't as quickly seal seal the deal as as before because you were you were remote, right? So, so eventually that was one of my my highlights as as such. Uh, the other highlight which I want to mention, I, I admire the speed which we see with uh, with working with McLaren Applied. You know, they have kind of these this their Formula One triggered right there. Everything has to happen over a racing weekend. Right. So if you if that doesn't happen, you know, then the a race could be lost. Yeah? So we feel kind of that way, you know, how, you know, how the colleagues from McLaren apply work and what kind of speed they uh, they have. And this also showed a little bit towards uh, our Huberzuner organization, you know, uh, things can go fast. Yeah? But at the same time, we're also kind of a, a good, I would say, counterpart to the colleagues from McLaren, since we know the rail market really, really well. And uh, as before mentioned, you know, the rail market can be quite slow. So you have to do things right. And here I think we're we're a very good counterpart to kind of balancing out the speed, how we go after these uh, these opportunities. 
Uh, so, uh, so those are the two. Or maybe a third one, which I could mention, Pablo, is oh, when wow. we finally, <laughs> when we finally were able uh, again allowed to travel. So uh, we went to the UK and finally got to a to a face to face meeting and met all the the colleagues who were negotiating and and collaborating uh, after this long period of time to actually uh, meet meet face to face. And of course, the joy was to uh, uh, to watch the soccer match in the pub together with Pablo and then of course to see the let's say the the I'm not going to say the name, but uh, the the team which Pablo supports, yeah, that they actually won, and we brought basically luck to the to that game, and they they won that game. So uh, thanks, that Michael. Nice. I was going to say my my favorite uh, moment was when um, you gave us that Swiss chocolate box. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think I think jokes aside, um, yeah, it's been it's been a pleasure really working with Hover and Suna. Uh, we we have a, a number of partners, but uh, Huber and Suna are really right right at the top, and um, we're looking forward to to keep developing new new innovations in the future. Well, we know partnerships, collaboration, a massive part of McLaren Applied, and it's so great to chat with you both about yes, some chocolates and some football games that have been won, uh, which is just such a great indicator of a positive working uh, culture between two, what sound like two wonderful organisations, absolutely pioneering, trying to not only improve efficiency for sustainability element, but of course for the end user journey so that uh, I can feel like I'm in a Formula One car even though I'm on a train. So Michael, thank you so much to you. Pablo, thank you to you. You're both absolute superstars and it was a pleasure talking to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you. Well, a massive thank you to Pablo and, of course, to Michael for joining us remotely from Huber and Zuna. It was so great to chat with both of them and Freya, we know that they've got a great relationship. Uh, a lot of a lot of funny stuff said off mic as well, wasn't there? Yeah, it was great to see the interaction between the two, actually. They've got such a great partnership, obviously, going. So great to be almost a bit of an observer then to see, see how well they work together. And it's a great thing to see how McLaren Applied work with their partners. Well, that's Transport Now Done and Dusted. In our next episode, we're chatting with Dr. Stephen Lambert all about electrification and automotive. I can't wait for you to listen to it. It's time to say goodbye and we'll see you in the next episode, Freya. See you then. 